Hey, welcome back to Season 3 of Pigeon Hockey, a participating member of the Hockey Focus Family Podcasts. This is Chris and today's co-hosts, Steve and Sam. Hey, how's it going, hockey fans? Good morning, hockey fans. And you know us, we don't claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. On this episode, we want to welcome our special guest, goaltender for the 2022-2023 USPHL Premier Northwest Division Champion, Vernal Oilers, Antonio Tarantino. Tino, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. Thanks for hey, jumping Tino. on. I know. Oh, <laughs> Steve. Yeah, it wouldn't take jump. long, Steve. Go. <laughs> yeah. So, Tino, uh, thank you for all of the highlights I got to watch and lose my mind over. <laughs> I really appreciate that with the music playing in my head in the background. <laughs> just uh, promise no me problem. next time, just one time, I want to see you do that little dance from Reservoir Dogs after you make a really big save, okay? <laughs> okay, I, I, I'd have to I'd, I'd have to look that up for you, but once I find that, I'll I'll keep that in mind. My next my next couple of saves, <laughs> I'll, I'll send you the highlights of it, bud. <laughs> my Tino highlight video, I was actually trying to use the Little Green Bag as a song, but on TikTok they only max out that song in a minute. And Tino had so many highlights, it just kept going. So I'm like, no matter what I did, I couldn't make it look good. So I'm like, screw it, I'm just gonna go with another. Another song that Fatino saves, but I did try to make a little green bag um, highlight reel video. It just uh, it, it wouldn't work out with the time limit of the song. All right. So to get us all started, uh, Tino, tell us a little bit about yourself and your hockey life. Yeah. So I was originally born in Fremont, California, uh, before relocating to Phoenix, actually, a couple years ago. My parents moved to Phoenix, so... After the season, that's where I go and just hang around for the off season. But I um I was probably on skates when I was like four or five years old, just skating around. And I started playing as a as a forward actually. But I was young enough to where all the kids were just skating around, just like like eight kids fighting for the puck. So. There wasn't much there, and then I think my first year of travel, my my might team didn't have a goalie, and my dad just asked if I wanted to try being a goalie. So I think that's where just it all started, and I think I was just so fascinated by the equipment. And at the time, I was going to sh- uh, the Sharks games with my brother and my family. We used to have season tickets, so obviously the goalie I was admiring – when I was really, really young was getting the Bach off. So I think, I think that's really where, where that's, that's where what really kickstarted my, uh, me being a goalie. And I just really enjoyed it. And it just stuck from there. All right. So, uh, <laughs> did you ever play back out when you were playing, uh, after you, after you play goal or did you just stick and goal after that? Uh, I just stuck in goal after that. Okay, that's interesting. Because so. I, I shared on an episode before where they would, you know, rotate me out one game in and then one game out, and I'd be on defense, and I'd annoy the piss of the goalie that was playing because I'd get in front of him and I'd block the shots. Made made some pretty cool glove saves. Um, <laughs> back before guys could shoot hard, of course. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, so what is it about the position that you love so much? I think it was – you know, I'm not, sh- you know, like 
I could, like when I was younger, I just always really liked the equipment, I think. But, you know, there was, there were so many good goalies at the time when I first started, like there was, you know, there was like Nabokov and then I think Carey Price was, that was when he was really young and just started getting into the league. So, and also Flurry, like you could throw in guys who are kind of on their way out right now, but at the time when I started playing, they were also, you know, just coming into the game. So I think, I think I was just so fascinated by just the position in general. I'm not even sure why, but I'm sure going to the Sharks games when I was a kid and, you know, like all, like just watching Nabokov and like other goalies who they would play against. I, I guess it just, it just fascinated me just the position. Fair I enough. think that's was, kind of what, yeah, that's what kind of got us all into it. And I got a, I actually got a game used Nabokov stick um, from the Islanders, not the Sharks. Um, mm. And uh, so that was, that's one of my cool pieces in my collection that wasn't stolen by movers yet. So just give it time. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I move enough to where I just keep getting little pieces stolen. Um, but uh, I still got my Nabokov stick. So pretty, I, I, I'm a big Nabokov fan as well. Um Love seeing him in, in San Jose and then again in the Islanders because, uh, shoot, he was in the Islanders and because I got the stick from the Nassau Coliseum that was 2012. So he was clearly an Islander in 2012. I'm not sure when he got there. He'd been there for a couple of years, yeah. but, you know, but I think the, the equipment is what gets a lot of us goalies into that position because uh, especially when you're a kid, it just kind of looks like a superhero. Yeah. And also, there's just so much free range to what you can do. Like, I'm sure, like, all the different masks and what you can do with goalie masks also is one of the reasons why a lot of people start just, and I, like, me too. I think when I was a kid, I wanted a custom mask too, but obviously yeah. young enough to where, where you're just playing team to team, it probably wasn't the smartest idea dropping $500 on a paint job, but. I was a kid. I didn't know better. And I was begging my father to get me a painted mask. But, you know, that just that just didn't work out when I was a kid. But, you know, and I think I think it's just things like that where even with, you know, goalie pads and and just custom sets, you have so much free range to what you can do with colorways and different stuff to, you know, customize the way you want to look with just different colors and everything like that. I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of people get started. Yeah. Cause there's a lot you can do with like, like you said, the equipment itself, you can, you can really have a lot of fun and the websites right now make it a lot of fun. And I think uh, this is probably the perfect time to interject. If you're oh, a junior here, goalie on. out there, no, oh, I was going to advertise. Ad- advertise in one second. There was an <laughs> awesome article that came out though. Okay. So yeah, this is how old Chris and I are. About oh, the shoot. classic Cooper helmet, the HM30. Remember that beauty that came out? That that was in the league forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That mask was a beauty. What's his name? Uh, Dan Cloutier, uh, who went into, when by the time he made it to the NHL, those masks were becoming the thing of the past, right? And he still wore it to that date. So huge shout out because an article literally just came out from ESPN about the Cooper helmet. 
classic. So sorry about that, Chris. I had to jump in there on that one. But. <laughs> That's fine. I figure since we're talking about custom masks, it was a perfect time to say if you're a junior goalie, college goalie, beer league goalie, it doesn't matter. And you want an amazing and affordable mask design, order your dream design for your goalie mask at maskgraphs.ca. Great price, custom design, fast turnaround, and completely removable. So order yours today at maskgraphs.ca and get 15% off your mask design with discount code PIGEON2023. I tell you, masks are one of the big reasons I think I also was looking at the position because we keep our masks too. I'm also, I with, with mask wraps having removable, I don't know why you'd ever remove it. I just completely buy a new mask and have a new paint design because they all mean something to you. When you design a mask, you, you put a like way more effort than people think you do into what you want your mask to look like and why stuff's on there. And uh, you display it afterwards. For me, my masks are my probably my most precious item. Um, and I know that from uh, like, I don't know, there was a I was working for I won't name the company because they suck. Uh, but I was working for a company and there it was during COVID and they were talking about like, you know, what's your most precious, you know, the stupid like morning team meetings no one wants to be in. Um, uh, hopefully, Tino, you don't go through that. Um, but they're asking like, what's your most, what, what's one thing you could save obviously outside of family and stuff like that, but one item, one item, physical item you could save from your house. What's the most important thing that you would take out of your house in a fire? And I was like, my goalie mask, (laughs) (laughs) everything else can burn, but not my goalie mask. That was, and I'm like, wow, that really is the most important thing. And I think for us goalies, that's your pads are great. You can replace those, send them off, donate them. Uh, your masks aren't going anywhere. Um, too personal. And who wants to wear somebody else's, you know, somebody else's old sweaty mask? So, um, yeah, it's it's a good it's a good reason to become a goalie. Not gonna lie. Yeah, and uh, I was adding on to that. I was actually so I've been really into uh, Devin Levi, who recently just got called yes. to the Sabers. Yeah, he's a stud, but. Um, I was, I don't know if you guys saw the clip in his debut game against the Rangers, but in the TV timeout, he was, did you see Med- the clip of him just sitting on his knees, just waiting? Watching meditating? Yeah, yeah, meditating, yeah, like yeah. a Jedi. He meditates. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, exactly. That's what it's they It's incredible. Said. So I think, I think somebody asked him and he said, because uh, he would watch Star Wars with his father and... I recently saw an Instagram post the other day of his, of his helmet. So Buffalo has that retro jersey. Yeah. The yeah the the red white and black one. And I don't think he had a custom mask for that. So I think I saw I saw an Instagram post of where Levi literally grabbed a sharpie and like like colored in his own mask. And part of it on the side was lightsabers. Yeah. So just adding adding <laughs> on to the just like the personal aspect is like that's that's something that's probably close to him and his personality. And, you know, you could put whatever you want on your mask. That means a lot to you. Well, Tino, I had complete Sherwood when I saw that because I'm a Star Wars <laughs> geek and a half. And when the effort of him using a Sharpie on his mask to make yeah. that was unbelievable. So even the comment that, you know, he. You know, it's, it's a Qui-Gon Jinn reference from Star Wars when he was meditating before he went into his final battle. You know, I was blown away. And now I told it to my daughters who are now Star Wars geeks, and they love him based off that, too. That and he played for Team Canada, which is a 
huge bonus over here for us too, right? But uh, I love this kid all the way around right now. All right? us goalies do. I think every goalie has a goalie crush on him right now. He's yeah, just he's... he's a breath of fresh air. He's what all of us goalie geeks really love. And the fact that, like, again, I think I said it a couple episodes again, but when he played his first game and – Somehow the the play fell apart and Panarin was left alone in the slot for his first ever game. Um, again, I'd probably shit a brick. And he was like, <laughs> I was so ready for it. I'm like, that is what you want in a goalie. And the fact that he does not only that, but the way he his personality is the fact that he's because he's also a computer scientist. So he's from Northwestern, obviously, because that's where he's been the last couple of years. But he's developing a goalie app to help develop goalies. And he's sharpening his mask. I'm like, the guy is a full on goalie nerd and I, I, I haven't found I've, I've listened to a lot of different hockey podcasts and usually at the gym every single podcast is in love with this kid this doesn't matter who they're everyone's in love with him he's just he's exactly what the Sabres need in that and uh, he's exactly what the league needs this is the type of goalie the league wants because he's so I don't I, I hate to use the word perfect but I love him <laughs> you know what I mean yeah yeah, well, just a it's, breath of fresh air. And then also the, you know, another great story, right? He's not the beast six foot five goaltender in net. He didn't come out of, you know, a you know major junior, a major yeah. junior hockey or a European yeah. league, right? So he was an unknown coming in for Team Canada. I, I didn't hear of him. Um, you know, when then when he was making the team, that's when all the chatter started on up. Um, oh, and, Steve, you remember that podcast we did for the World Juniors? We're all going, who's this Devin Levy kid? Yeah. Like, and yeah. of course, that's Sebastian, who we got to give a shout out to our co-host Sebastian here, who, uh, speaking of the CA, uh, the CCHL, Carlton Place Canadians, is now, if no one saw the the post, is now an assistant coach with the CCHL, Carlton Place Canadians. So, congratulations to Sebastian on being promoted up to the CCHL as an assistant coach uh, with Devin Levi's old team. And I remember even Sebastian at that time going, well, if if we want to get him on, I can probably just, you know, give someone a call and we can. And we're like, no, 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 not important right now, because, you know, we were new. We didn't think anything would happen with that. And, you know, he was a Florida Panthers draft pick at that time. And it's like, well, we'll see how the world by the end of the world juniors. We all knew this kid was a stud and I couldn't have been any happier to trade away Reinhardt and every other little crying baby that wanted out of Buffalo at that time and acquire great assets and. That's going to be the steal. I'll say it's probably going to be the steal of the century. Looking back, um, the fact that we gave up, you know, crybabies like that, and we ended up with some epic talent. Um, I think we fleeced Florida because look at Levi. Yeah, yeah and Sorry, well, the I'm a little too- bit spiteful as a Sabres fan. Okay, <laughs> well, no, but you also got you got the boost because what have we been saying about your team all year long, right? And you were yeah. hopeful. So everybody out there, Chris was really hopeful at the beginning of the year that his goaltending situation was going to be there. I could feel the desperation hope in his voice. I'm like, it's not there for <laughs> you guys. It's not there. I'm telling you. Then when Levi came in, I'm like, yeah, we. I just got to see him suit up. And after the first game, I'm like, oh, yeah, this kid is ready. And impressive, right? His first, his first win against the New York freaking Rangers that are yeah. just stacked with talent. Going up against Patrick Kane and the bread man, like, come on, right? <laughs> and then everybody else on that team gets the overtime win. The next one's a shootout victory for Pete's sakes. 
You know, so he's been put through the ringers early on. And then can you imagine if they got him with 10 games off to go in a season? The Sabres oh, are in we, the playoffs. Yeah, we only missed the playoffs by a point, and it crushes my soul. I mean, we weren't expecting anything. I mean, to be eliminated by whatever team we were going to face in the first round. Um, as long as we don't lose like Toronto does. Like, God, I can't even go down that rabbit hole right now. They're pissing yeah. me off again. I hate Toronto, and they're pissing me off. Because that was the most embarrassing game, and we can get into that later. We're focusing on Tino. Oh, uh, we will get into that later. <laughs> oh, we will get into that later. And also, Tino, so you're, as as a, you were a shark season ticket holder, yeah, or your parents were or family of shark season ticket holders, yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, this might be a good segue into Sam, who's also a huge Sharks fan, uh, kind of intervening with the next question because Sharks is also his team, and um. Yeah, I, I, you're both. I, honestly, all of us are suffering right now because I am a Sabres Capitals fan. Steve is a Habs Yotes fan, and you guys are Sharks fans. None of us are winning a playoff game this year. So, yeah, go for it, Sam. Just a, just a group of a group of very competent franchises at the moment. Um, winners, well, you know, winners. Buffalo, Buffalo is on the way up. Anyway, uh, I mean, I've got like a couple questions before I jump into the one that we talk about but i guess my first question is you know growing up in fremont like would you say i'm from you know the other side of the bay from the san mateo area was there a lot of opportunities to play hockey growing up or was it kind of something that you had to search out and find on your own um i say uh i don't think so i think when i was young so there there's the fremont rink like five minutes from my house from where I used to live. So, so the access was pretty easy. And I think, uh, I just played in a house league when I was five years old. And at that time I was just, I was a skater and I was just skating around with the other kids. But I think, I think when, when you start to hit travel and like 14 triple a 15 triple a is when, maybe Northern California hockey can provide a little or can provide a little bit more because there's, there's the junior sharks, which where I played my triple a youth at. But when, when I was playing triple a, that was it for Northern California. I know, I know now there's um, the golden state elite Eagles. They sometimes they have a triple a team. Sometimes they don't, I don't know how it is right now, but when I was playing, the junior sharks was it for Northern California. So as far as playing travel hockey and if maybe playing triple a hockey, the opportunity in Northern California is very, very limited, but down South is where they have a lot more teams. So I, I always knew a lot of kids who would, uh, who would, you know, move down there for the season and play for the ducks or play for the junior Kings. So, as far as that, that's kind of the opportunity is kind of limited in that regard. But as far as like starting out and just getting on the ice as a kid, like we had no issues doing that. Me and my brother always found ice and we were able to do whatever, whatever we wanted. Yeah, that's, that's great to hear. And you know, that it was, you know, five minutes from your house and I don't know who, who we can get the word out to in Northern California hockey, or maybe Tristan's got some contacts, but you know, maybe we should pass some word along to them that they need to 
they need to start growing this this opportunity for more kids to not just have to travel down to Southern California to play against other kids that they're it's a growing it should be a growing sport in the Bay Area. But back to that another time. Um, <clears throat> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I was curious. So the Vernal Oilers were a new franchise to this new division in the USPHL, and you helped backstop them to the Northwest Division Championship. Um, talk to us about what made this team's this year's team special. Uh, yeah. So I think I think what made us special was, you know, like we were we were a very new team. So there were a few guys who came from the Oilers the previous season from the CAJ, but for the most part, we had a very new roster. And I think every Northwest team can uh, can say that they were playing with a very new roster, but I just think, like, the chemistry we had, straight, like, right from the start, there was something about it that we just clicked. And in in some ways, I feel like we we had a head start on a lot of the teams in the beginning of the year just because we were we were able to get along so quickly and so like so early into the season so and it was I mean the roster is made up of a lot of guys from different areas I mean we had five guys from Slovakia half the roster is from Canada and the U.S. and then we also had a guy from Korea and Sweden so no we're we're getting we're getting a bunch of guys who don't like never met each other before and usually when you when you talk about the outliers or or uh ogden you know you you typically have like a third or half the roster that played with each other the year prior but for every northwest team this year it was it it was a lot different you know you're, you're you're basically starting from scratch and meeting a whole new group of guys so I think not just for us, but all the teams in, in our division that like it was kind of a special year kind of kickstarting this new division. Yeah, was it was any good. Oh, sorry. Was there any good like uh, team building stuff going on before the season started that kind of had everybody getting to know each other sort of thing? Yeah, we did. We did a few team building before uh, before the regular season, but I think it was just in training camp. Uh, we were fortunate enough to get um, a coach that our owner knows who he just finished coaching with uh, the Nottingham Panthers and the pro league in England, but yeah, he was EIHL. with us for the first, yeah, yeah, the EIHL, but he was, so he was coaching us for the first month and a half, just part-time, like short term. So I think, I think having him, we were extremely fortunate because he was able to really get us into the system and and uh really get us to know each other and get along very quickly than other teams so I think I think that's kind of what also helped us you know build a lot of chemistry super early on in the year the EHL actually is a probably Steve you know it is probably the reason this podcast exists in the first place um because if it wasn't for the EHL we wouldn't become friends (laughs) Probably. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. It was all, all over a hockey jersey. <laughs> <laughs> it was all over a hockey jersey. We were in the same group, and uh, I was living in England. I was a big Coventry Blaze fan because uh, they were 30 minutes from my house. And uh, Steve wanted a Cardiff Devils jersey, and that started the friendship. So 
um, you, you know, we talked about podcasts for years and eventually COVID happened and you know, the podcast was born. Um, but like Vernal seemed to have a pretty extensive fan base, very passionate fans, very well-traveled fans. Cause you, you could hear them in, um, I think you could hear them in Northern Colorado. You definitely heard them in Ogden. They were down at the, uh, Las Vegas showcase, uh, when we met up and, uh, it was very interesting to see how basically the Vernal area took basically acceptance and and full on love for the Oilers organization. Yeah, yeah, we're extremely fortunate to have such a good fan base like that because when you think of Vernal, you you don't really think much of a hockey community. I mean, there's there's one high school team and then there's one youth team that, you know, just travels through Utah and in tournaments and stuff like that. But other than that, that's it. That's the only teams that play out of the rink. So, like, you you originally wouldn't think there'd be a lot of, you know, a lot of love for a junior hockey team, but there is. And I think that's one of, another reason why Vernal's pretty special. And we were just able to get so much support from pe- some people who – didn't know what hockey was and a lot of people who did know what hockey is. So, so I think, yeah, that's, that's just another reason why I thought Vernal was really special this year. Yeah. And at the beginning of the season, um, we, we did the fantasy draft and uh, I know me and you've chatted about it throughout the year. Um, but I was very dead set in the beginning of the season on picking up you and Charles and Anthony Barbeau as my first couple picks. And I did pick up because you got to, you know, it's kind of like cards. You, you, you know, you play the players sometime. Um, I knew with having Brendan Price, the uh, play-by-play for the Northern Colorado Eagles on the podcast, that he was going to target Barbo pretty quickly. So when I ended up with the pick above him, I'm like, well, I know what I'm doing. I'm going straight after Barbo because if I do, it's going to throw him off. And sure enough, it did. He's like <laughs> – I think I edited it out, what he said. <laughs> I'm like, got him. Um, and then I'm like, okay, well, now I'm going to stay completely silent because I don't think anybody's really going to be picking up on Tarantino. Um, because you played for Ogden the previous year. You were putting up some hella good stats. Um, and the crease in Ogden just became too fat. And you moved on to Ontario. And I remember watching your games down in Ontario as well. And then I'm thinking, when I saw you get picked up by Vernal, I'm like, we're doing a draft. I'm going to stay completely silent on Tino because <laughs> if I say anything, someone will pick him up. And I quickly, you know, snuck in there and got you very silently there. Um, and very happy I did because you were probably not probably you're definitely my top point getter this season. Um, uh, I had a rough season. I think I finished third or fourth. Um, but uh, I think me and, it wasn't you, Sam. It was um, a super fan there in um, in Ogden, um, Justin Monroe, where me and him, every single time we pick somebody up, they got hurt. <laughs> so and we had rules not to release players too often. But, yeah, I had you all season long. It was a blast to have you and made sure we picked you up. And, you know, me and you actually had the chance again, as I mentioned before, to meet up at the Las Vegas showcase uh, back in December. So 
what did you think of the like Vegas Golden Knights setup? And were you and the boys able to get out and actually see some of the sights around Vegas? Yeah. So first off, uh, talking about the showcase, I thought it was I thought it was really good for all teams, especially us, uh, because we were at a point in the season where we were we were playing a lot of games in our division, and the only out of division team we played was Provo. And that was it. So going to Vegas allowed us to kind of see some teams from other divisions and kind of see how we stack up against other teams and, you know, see if we need to make any adjustments for for the playoffs later down the road. But I thought from the rinks and their setup, I thought it was I thought it was a really good experience. And all the rinks were I think the Henderson one was fairly new and the Vegas one I've skated at numerous times before, so I was familiar with that one. But the rinks were, the rinks were very nice and uh, very pretty new for the most part. And I think a lot of the guys on the team really appreciated that because it's a big change from playing at Western Park in Vernal. So, so the guys appreciated playing at a at a nice spot like that. But as far as seeing sights. Yeah, we I think we had a we had some free time to go see sites. We our hotel we stayed at was on Fremont Street, which kind of backfired pretty quickly because my hotel room was right outside where the band the where the band was set up on Fremont Street, and the band would stop playing at two in the morning. So you would hear the music blasting through your windows till two in the morning, the night before a game. So. That definitely kind of backfired a little bit, but as far as if if we wanted to get food or just walk around, you know, like we were able to and just walk up and down uh, Fremont Street. So, so that too, yeah, we were able, we had a lot of freelance to do whatever we wanted. Yeah, it was a, I I really was impressed by the Golden Knights facilities there. Um, I spent my entire time at Lifeguard Arena there in Henderson uh, I didn't make it out to City National. Uh, maybe next year if they if they hold a showcase there, that is uh, one of the obviously if they do, I will try to make it between the two because I'll probably have my own car instead of a rental car next time. We'll see. It depends on the future. But I think I was quite impressed with how they did things there. And I know that you also, I think, gave me the perfect opportunity to actually not only clip a highlight for our highlight reels but actually catch one with my own phone um (laughs) and uh that that became pretty popular pretty quick because it was one of the best saves of the season and i just happened to be behind the net for it because that was incredible yeah yeah i uh, I remember you sending me the video after the game and on the on the bus back to the hotel after that game, I was I was sitting in the front of the bus with the coaches and I was showing them your video. I'm like, hey, check this out. This guy got a video of it behind the net. And our head coach was like, yeah, try and get that video and send it to me. I need to get that <laughs> video. So I, so I texted you after. I'm like, hey, any chance, any chance you could yeah. send this over so I could save it. But yeah, that was. Yeah, it, it it was a fun showcase. And obviously, meeting up with you in person that that was fun as well. So all around, it it was a good experience to end on right before the Christmas break. So 
Yeah, I, I thought they did an excellent job hosting. Yeah, they did. And I think Vernal was also able to that point to prove because I think that was one of the things that the Dan K show was talking about was because of the small division and the limited basically playing uh, that you had with the additional teams. It was a it was a great way for Vernal to show they were the real deal um, and could compete within the USPHL outside of the Northwest Division because you're able to take down some of the better teams in the USPHL West in that showcase. And hopefully USPHL teams that are listening if these teams can make it out east and up to Minnesota for a showcase, you guys can make it out to Vegas. So just shouting out some of these teams out there that can, uh, you know, maybe go west for a showcase and, and give us a little bit more variety here in the west. Because it would be great to see a, a Minnesota or a Hershey or an Eels organization actually make it out west and, 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 and spend that yeah. big chunk of money that western teams have had to spend a lot of money to get out to these other showcases. Yeah, and Vegas is a hell of a place too. So yes, it is. Try and make it out. <laughs> they <laughs> won't regret try and make it. Out. Yeah, they won't regret it. Maybe maybe not for the players, but the coaching staff definitely <laughs> definitely <laughs> try for it. <laughs> yeah, because I know that um, what was it? I was talking with uh, the coach of the San Diego Sabers at the showcase, and uh, I think he said to me, "He's like, so you going to the game tonight?" I'm like, "What game?" He's like, the Sabres are playing the Golden Knights. I'm like, I, I was there. Really yeah, I was, we were at that game. <laughs> I wasn't. Yeah. I had no idea. Uh, <laughs> it was a good, there was a nice little fisticuff in that one too, wasn't there? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, but I, so we, I, touching on to that, we, I think our owner got us tickets probably three rows to the very top. So the whole team was sitting up there and all of a sudden he sends a picture in the in the group me or in the WhatsApp group chat and he's sitting on the like he's sitting five rows to the glass. It's like okay, guy, Ooh, like, come on, but <laughs> <you off>. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great event though. I mean, me and Steve also, coincidentally enough, is the first time we actually ever met up in person was at the first ever Golden Knights game. Um uh back Against in 2017 Phoenix. yeah the coyotes yeah yeah because he's a big yotes fan for some reason i don't get it he lives in phoenix or something <laughs> yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're the secondary team that's going to be scary in a couple of years <laughs> when they get a real arena yeah yeah okay <laughs> seeing as they got every draft they're on the come year. up they're on the come up <laughs> You won't yeah. be talking when they make a cup run next year. Yeah, exactly it. Hey, you know what? Hey, Tino, this is what we're going to do. I've got uh, oh, off-season tickets, so it'll be me and you sitting by the glass. Uh, how old are you now? I'm 21. There oh, you beauty. Go. Beauty. So me and you sitting on the glass, beers in hands, and we'll take some selfies <laughs> to send over to the boys, okay? There we go. There we go. I like Steve asks now because he's like, hey, can I go? I'm like, Steve, he's not 21 yet. He's like, oh, never mind. You take too much like a Canadian, buddy. Like, too much like a Canadian. I'm in Denmark where, uh, you know, I work at a couple different places here. And uh, when when I when 16-year-olds come in to buy wine and beer, I'm just like, okay. It's it's legal here. I don't – Denmark is way more, I guess, progressive on that. And I don't disagree with it because the fact that there's literally high schoolers studying with a beer in hand is not something I'm used to as an American. <laughs> you know? 
16 years old, they're allowed to drink. I think they have to wait for, I think, hard liquor. I think hard liquor is considered 20% and above. They have to be 18. But wine and beer, they can buy at 16. Um, and it's an open container country, so people can drink anywhere. It's basically Vegas and New Orleans, but an entire country. Um, and, uh, yeah, the uh, it, it's, it's a fun place. I can tell you that much. But, uh, Steve, I think you're up next, buddy. All right, so what is your first hockey memory? And that's either watching, playing. Uh, you know, what's your earliest memory that you can think of that brought you into hockey? Yeah, I kind of, yeah. So I definitely touched on it on the first question. I kind of was talking for a while, but my first hockey memory was going to the Sharks games, and I remember. It's a very, very vivid memory, but I remember getting a stick from I I can't remember the player. I, I it could have been Douglas Murray, but I'm not too sure. But mm-hmm. I it's a very it's a very vivid memory and I remember uh hanging out right where they go off for warm ups. And I just remember this guy sticking his stick up and just handing it to me. So I still have this stick sitting at my house, but I think just, yeah, my first ever memories of hockey were going to the Sharks games. And like I said earlier, I was always watching the Bokoff and it always seemed like every game I went to, he made his signature save where he just stacked the pads and either makes a pad save or he just gloves it out of the air and the crowd would obviously go wild. So as far as that, that those those were definitely my earliest memories of hockey, and then obviously getting like getting started with skating, and then eventually playing travel and starting goalie followed suit after. Yeah, it's it's cool when you get a good interaction with a player like that, um, you know, because it does you know really pull you more into the game, right? Um, oh yeah. You know, and makes you love the team even that much more. So. You know, huge diss on Jack Eichel because there's that video. Now, again, you can't give sticks away every single game to players, but hey, at least flip a kid a puck, right? Do yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> so there was that one video of Eichel, some kid asking, you know, for a stick and something, and he wouldn't even acknowledge the kid. I'm like, come on, it's a kid. You know, flip him a puck. That'll that'll make his day, right? Or go. That Eichel's a class act. I'm just gonna say, <laughs> as, a, as a Buffalo Sabres fan, I'm a I'm a huge fan of watching that kid lose. <laughs> I was just waiting for him to jump on. I threw the bait out there. It was just really, really, really slow. The second, the second they put him on that team, I'm like, yep. Um, if I'm going to be a fan of an expansion team, it's going to be Seattle. Because, I mean, Vegas has just done everything wrong. They, you know, the whole flurry debacle and everything that Vegas does is just. I just hope they. I hope they become the next Toronto Police. And I just hope that someday I can heal up as miraculously as Kucherov and Stone do or did. And also Patrick Kane to make it back for the first round of the playoffs after being injured for a significant amount of time. It's a miracle. (laughs) Yeah, I wish that's. Yeah. okay, let's not get into that. Okay. (laughs) All right. All right. You're up, buddy. I was about to say, before we get too off the rails, I'll uh, I'll jump in here for a second. But uh, really quick, I'm curious. Okay, so I feel like I'm guessing that your favorite shark was Nabokov. So who who is your favorite shark player either of all time or of growing up that's not that's not Nabokov? Hmm. I God, that's something I have to think about. There cuz 
at the time when the Sharks were making playoff runs and they all they had a bunch of great great guys, but I would I would probably say someone like you know I I'd probably say Mar- Patrick Marlowe probably just because yeah. he's he's such a he's such a legend at the franchise and he's been with them for so long, uh, Joe Thornton included, but those were also guys that I kind of grew up watching, not including goalies, but even even when I was going to games and I was talking about Nabokov, but those those guys were there too, and yeah, I mean they they were such classics, you know. Yeah, exactly, and like you you never. You know, you never see them doing any anything dumb or anything like that. Like they're definitely they're just good good players and good role models. But those, yeah, those are definitely guys I grew up around. And even even to where I am now, like I know I know Marlo's not playing. I don't know if I don't know if Thornton was still is still playing right now or if he retired, but. I think he, he just hangs he, out he, in the he, Sharks locker room. Like I heard, I heard a story. He'll yeah. just go in and shower with the boys after practice. <laughs> he's, he's unofficially retired. You know, it feels like unofficially, yeah. So, like, yeah, even even to where I am now, it's like those like Marlowe's not playing anymore. But you know, Thornton, Thornton's probably in his last season. But like, yeah, those I'd say those two guys are definitely guys I grew up watching also. So they definitely stick out for sure. Of course. And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely happy that the sharks have finally retired a number, you know, that Marlowe's was the obvious choice, but it doesn't make any sense why they haven't retired Nabokov's yet. I don't really, I don't really get it personally, but yeah, you know, we can rant about that another time. Um, I'm also curious about what's your, uh, what's your favorite either hockey movie or sports movie? Um, maybe besides besides Miracle, because that's always a yeah. yeah besides movie. Miracle, the obvious choice. Uh, yeah. So I I watched I've watched Moneyball a lot of times. And I'm sure you, you definitely know about the Oakland A's, but of course. Um, yeah, I I would definitely I definitely say Moneyball. That that's probably my favorite movie apart from Miracle, following sports. But you know, yeah, I, would, I, I recently I would yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I recently, I think it was like four years ago, I, I started getting into baseball, and and the the A's were the closest team for me to watch, and they're not typically the best team, so tickets were cheap, so they were definitely easy to access also. So <laughs> I guess it, it's definitely easier to go to an A's game than it is to go to a Giants game. Giant, Giants are good, so they usually get their ticket prices are typically higher but I definitely you know I would I would definitely go to the A's game so I guess Moneyball definitely stuck out to me for a movie yeah understandable a great choice <laughs> go Cardinals all right um so <laughs> I would say uh hey I, I lived in St. Louis for a few years so that's uh that's a team that won me I know that. because yeah I didn't uh I uh yeah, that's I, I honestly I miss the old I miss the old uh, ballpark. The new ballpark's stunning though, so I can't really complain about that. Um, so Tino, I know we haven't really talked on whether or not you've committed yet, and we can get into that. Um, but if you haven't, or if you, even if you have, what would you want a college program to know about you? 
Yeah, so I I have not committed yet. I'm still I have options, but I'm still kind of looking around and seeing what else is out there. But as far as what I can bring, I'm I'm a very competitive guy, and no, we I think we were talking talking about Levi earlier. How he's not the biggest goalie. I'm definitely I definitely fall in that category. I'm I'm five foot ten on a good day, so I'm definitely not. <laughs> today's average goalie size so so I haven't had the easiest time with with juniors or anything like that finding teams and stuff I definitely I'd like to say I I definitely had to go out and earn it and and work for what I had to get so I'm definitely a competitive guy in practice and in games so whether if it's what if it's me competing for the third spot or the or the second spot or the starting spot it's always you know every practice and every game every time you hit the ice matter of fact it's it's an opportunity to prove yourself and I feel like that's I feel like that's part of the reason what makes me the goaltender that I am is I just I always try and find something to improve that and I think this is a great spot for Steve to interject on goalie height stuff and, and things they're looking for because I can tell you, Steve, Steve, you are a shorter goalie. I mean, I wasn't the tallest. I mean, I'm, I got three inches right there, but I was definitely not as good as you. <laughs> well, That's there was for like, sure. what was five, like I was 5'11", right? So, and what sucked for me as the run of the litter, my uh, older brother was 6'3", my younger 6'2". So, yeah, I, I was blessed. Uh, but it's... Like, I always go back to, and this is what annoys me, Levi, he's not the biggest of goalies. Uh, Flurry, he's not the biggest of goalies. And all it really comes down to, and this really annoys me, is if you see the athleticism in a, in a young goalie, stop worrying so much about height, right? That's what your defense are for. That's why you have systems to, to help it on out. Flurry was in a lot of trouble in his years with Pittsburgh because he was just strictly butterfly, right? And guys were just picking off his shoulder. Like, as soon as he dropped, boom, there it is, top corner. In one offseason, he switched his game around and just stood up a little bit longer to make those saves. And that's all it really comes down to. If you've got a defensive system in place where you have a super athletic, smaller goaltender, and you just need your D to cut off, you know, when you have to push out a little bit further, that's it. It's it's not like rocket science, and it's very doable. So I just, you know... If I was, you know, any of these junior programs looking at goaltenders, the first thing I'm not looking at is height. It's it's just not. I'm looking at athleticism. But then also the other thing is about the coachability factor, right? And I've seen your highlights. Like, man, you get there for saves. And it's not Curtis Joseph saves, right? Because we all remember Cujo. Dramatic, huge saves because he was out of position, you know? Loved it because he was fun to watch, but he just wasn't a fundamentally great goaltender for being in position, right? And watching your play, you've got a hard push from post to post, and you're not out of position, and that's key. So in my opinion, uh, they're nuts for not looking at you. So do keep doing what you're doing. Push on, and you're going to have people regret not picking you up. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's definitely that's definitely something I I like to base my my game after is not typically being out of position and making a sick desperation glove save, but you know just you know always being patient on my feet and 
being quick, moving side to side and very athletic, very agile. And I'd, I'd rather my game look very, very boring and my saves look boring than having a bunch of highlight reel saves. It's, it's just, it, it's just something where I like, I always like being in position and, you know, I, I, I try to always simplify the game for myself. So that's, that's kind of the way I like to base my game after. Well, take a look at Ottinger right now, right? He looks amazing in the playoffs year after year. And he does make some big saves because it's the end. Somebody's going to rip a hard one, right? But he swallows yeah. up those rebounds so frequently or it's off somewhere where you can't get to it, right? And that's the name of the game because like, I still remember covering some of your saves where coming across, I'm like, yeah, no rebound. Beautiful. Like it's swallowed right up in, in you and nobody's going to get to that rebound. And to me, that's another thing that, you know, a lot of – like, again, I'm not crapping on every scout out there, but it seems like this whole pattern keeps, you know, resurfacing year after year. And I'll go back to Cole Caulfield, different position, same thing. Guy gets passed up, you know, all the way so my Canadians pick him up, you know, later in the first round. You know, and it all had to do with size. Like, at what point are we yeah, going to get yeah, over the size factor and look at the actual skill of the player? Yeah, and Caulfield had a 70-goal season or 60 or 70-goal season in junior his draft year. Yeah, no, and, 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 this year, and this year, if it wasn't for his injury, like he would have gotten 40 goals. He was on a torrid pace and him and Suzuki were lightning in a bottle. So, you know, shut it down this year, of course, because, hey, take care of your take care of your shoulder. We're going to need you for the next, you know, 20 years as I have. Yeah. You know, but yeah. he was on a torrid pace. And again, it's another mistake of, you know, again, league, you know, players getting looked over. Right. Just because of size. It's time to move on from that factor and just take a look. Cause like I said, if I'm a, if I'm a, uh, you know, a junior coach or I'm a college coach, I'm looking at you because of how easy you make those saves, you know, and your it's your edge work and your pushes on over, you know, you're covering that distance so quick. Uh, you know, cause I know what they're saying. Well, if you got a taller goalie, he's covering that distance more. Well, sort of not really. Yeah. Right. Like they can stick the pad over, but as the rest of their body getting pushed over and what's their edge work like to get ready for that rebound? You know, that's what I'm looking at more than anybody else. So uh, yeah. I do have my bias towards you, but yeah, to anybody else that's listening out there, got to give this guy a shot. You're nuts. Yeah. And t- touching up on, on, on that topic, another guy from Northern California, Dustin Wolf in the flames organization. I, few years ago, I was extremely fortunate to be able to uh, skate with him a couple times and just being able to see firsthand in front of my eyes, just the little details in his game with like skating. And even he makes these little, these little shuffles just to get himself on angle and he makes the save look so easy. And that that's something I definitely try and put in my game also is at the end of the day, goaltending is just a bunch of tiny little details all piled into what the position is. So if, you know, if you can, if you can practice over time and try and dial in all these details, then, you know, you're going to make the game, you're going to make the game look very easy and the game's going to come to you a lot more simpler than what it has to be. So that's, you know, that, that's definitely something I, I'm always trying to work at, whether if it's my skating or, you know, being more athletic, being quicker, or, or tracking the puck, like all that, all that piles into being a goaltender. So 
that's you know that that that's that's one of the big focuses on when I'm developing. And it's important because I think I've I've received messages from some of you goalies out there um, about you know hey can I see a little bit, um, a few more of my saves um, and I've responded to them because I'm like well I've definitely noticed you but you're generally in position. Do you have anything dramatic I can share? <laughs> like yeah. if I missed one of your dramatic saves um, because there's a, a few of you out there where you were always in position. So you didn't have as many saves. Um, like a, a bunch of yours were just straight up dead giveaways by the defense. Um, a couple of your most beautiful saves this year were just, just defensive zone breakdowns to where it was like, Oh, there's the, <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of like what the, maybe the, you know, the coach said thereafter, which like much like the Sabres coach where that Levi save I talked about earlier where he was Panarin was left alone in the slot and the media asked the coach about it. And he's like, no, I absolutely loved his response, but no, the play was horrific and we're going to be talking about it. You know, it's like, it's kind of what you did there is like you made the save and it was an incredible save, but the whole play shouldn't have got to that point where like then you, there was a player left right around and, you know, it was just bad giveaways and stuff, but it happens. That's why we're there. We're supposed to back up our guys that are, uh, those mistakes are going to happen. Otherwise the, the sport won't be as fun, but really so, quick, I just wanted to say that uh, yeah. one thing that our, our favorite goalie Nabokov and um, I believe his name was Dustin Wolf have in common is that they were both six feet. So, you yeah. know, we got, uh, we got some smaller goaltenders just like our friend Antonio. That's uh, it's not, it's doable. It's certainly doable. Uh-huh. And, you know, the, the, yeah. Yeah. The obsession over height is, it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> it is. And, and one of the one of the crazy things is Dustin just had his debut game uh, earlier this week against the Sharks in the last game of the season. Oh my goodness! And he, <laughs> yeah, so him, so he grew up playing against the Sharks also. So, and he he played very well that game. He I think he had like one goal on twenty seven shots. So he definitely looked really solid. And and he's he's definitely one of the guys I look up to also because he. My older pro- my older brother actually uh, played with them when they were very young. It was, you know, probably like ten years old. But my older brother played with them, and I got to I got to know Dustin on a personal level because we were both goalies, and that just allowed us. I guess we just got along a lot better just because we were both goalies, and so ever since we kind of. No, we kind of had that relationship. So I still do. I still talk to him to this day, and I, I congratulate him after his game against the Sharks. So he's doing a lot of good things. And just like him and guys like Levi, I'm definitely rooting for them because they're definitely pushing a more you-don't-have-to-be 6'4 type of game. And even guys like Soros and Shesterkin, who they're having a lot of success right now, like, those are the guys I'm cheering for, and hopefully they can push more of a, you know, you don't you, you don't need to be a, a huge goalie that takes up the net. It, you know, just just more freedom for the position. Yeah. No, I would. It would be nice to see. Uh, again, we've we've talked about it a lot on this podcast. It would be nicer to. Uh, it, it, all positions in hockey, uh, you don't need to be six foot seven to be successful. Um, you just need to have skill. And if you have skill, um, that should outshine um, things like height. 
But uh, I think that's a great place to wrap this one up. Yeah, so listeners, if, if you want to hear more from Tino, uh, listen to the previous episode. Uh, that was a quick drop episode where we talked about some NHL stuff and additional hockey stuff. Definitely give that one a listen. We do want to thank Tino, the goaltender for the 2022-2023 USPHL Premier's Northwest Division Champion, Vernon Oilers, for jumping on with us today. Yeah, once again, guys, thank, thanks a lot for having me. It was definitely a lot of fun. No, it, it's been a blast, and uh, we're excited to see where you end up signing next season, and uh, definitely keep us in the loop because we'll be staring down a bunch of different posts, Instas and USPHLs and Vernos to see where the information drops first. And we also want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in, so be sure to reach out if you're in the junior collegiate hockey world and wish to get on a future podcast. Also, follow us on TikTok, on Twitter, or on Instagram to let us know what you think. This is the Pigeon Hockey Podcast with Chris, Steve, and Sam. Have a great one, hockey fans. Take care, hockey fans. And remember, listeners, always clear your crease.